here for eternity. Okay, let's um, talk Parsha Shlach. Parsha Shlach, the word Shlach means send. And the reason why it's named that Parsha is because in the beginning of the Parsha it says, Hashem said to Moshe, Shlach lecha anoshim. You shall send for yourself men. You should send out men who will go out and spy the land of Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. Now, why are they sending out these spies? Why is it necessary to send people to see what the land of Eretz Yisrael is like? Hashem told them what's going to happen. Says Rashi, Shlach Lecha. Rashi says, hold on, I'm sorry. Shlach Lecha. Ledaitcha. In your, in your opinion, so to speak, I'm not commanding you to send them. If you want, you can send the spies to see what's going on in the land of Israel. Stan, please don't feel bad. Your children come first, okay? Whenever it's time, it's great. Lafisha Bo, so Rashi says, because B'nai Yisrael came and they said to Moshe, let us send out people in front of us. Now, if we were in Kalal Yisrael then, if we were present then, we would have said to them, hold on one second. If I come to you and I say, Rabbi Sai, I have a terrific piece of property to sell you. I have something called the Brooklyn Bridge to sell. <laughs> right? So, of course, you're going to send someone down to look it up to see what's going on, to see if it's worthwhile. But if HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, if Hashem himself tells us, I have a proposition, I have something that's good for you, it's going to be terrific, it's going to be wonderful. So if I say, you know what, you know, maybe we should go check it out. I remember we had just come back from Eretz Yisrael and... Um, we needed a car. So my wife, she didn't know my father that well at that point. And we were talking about we had to get a car or whatever. I mean, we were married for a few years, but, you know, he didn't really, she, she didn't know how it went. And my father said, you know, that my other brother, my brother needed to get a 12-seater passenger van. So we could, we could take that car. He had a Mazda minivan, wasn't so new, but we could take it. And my wife was busy saying, well, you know, maybe we should go look at it to see if it's worth it. And maybe it's Kadai, is it not Kadai? <laughs> and, and I understood that my father was going to give it to us. He wasn't asking us for money. He was giving it to us. And like I was getting, you know, it was very awkward, you know. Should we go check it out? And finally, I think my mother finally said, Rivka Saro, I was giving it to you. Oh, that's a whole different story. Now, I don't have to go check it out. I understand. This is not a business deal. This is a <laughs> gift from a loved one to a loved one. The Miraglim, Bnei Yisrael, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Hashem took us through the desert. He crossed the Yamsa, and Hashem says, I'm bringing you my beloved Territ Yisrael. Hashem, hold your horses. Let's check it out. Let's see how we're going to do it. What are we going to do? Is it really good? The Miraglim were acting 
I'm going to tie it in right now, and we'll continue on this theme, as if they know it all, Dan. They know it all, they have all the information, and they know what's best. You know, Rabbi, my great-grandfather, Yaakov Kamenetsky, was a rub in Toronto. And he, was, he came actually to Toronto in 1938. Mm. And he was a rub in a shul over there. And the Holocaust was happening. And someone told, there was, there was a fellow in town who was a good yid, who meant well. Unfortunately, his store was open on Shabbos. And someone went to this yid and he said, you know, Mashiach's coming. Mashiach's coming in the next few months. And this yid said, if that's the case, I'm going to close my store on Shabbos. And he closed his store on Shabbos. He said, I'm closing it from now on. Mashiach's here. Mashiach's coming. And Rabbi Yaakov, my great-grandfather, went over to him. This person davened in a shul. It was, a, you know, it was a, back in the 30s. And he said to him, he said, Mashiach's not coming in a few months. He said to him, that it's an expression now in English, I'll say it in Yiddish. He said, Sally, you heard that expression before. Those who... Yes. Those, how, do you say, how do you want to translate it? Those, those who know... Um, say it again, I'll give you that. Those who don't know say. Those who don't know say. say. And those who don't say no. They know. Meaning, someone's telling you Mashiach's coming in three months. That means he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's the people who don't say, they're the ones who know. And that's what he told him. And at the end of the day, this person started opening his store again on Shabbos. Oi. Oh. I asked Rabbi Yaakov, he said, why did you, why did you tell him that? Chach, at least he closed the store on Shabbos. So listen to what Rabbi Yaakov said. He said, keeping your store open on Shabbos is not a good thing. It's terrible. But there are 13 foundational principles of faith, which we mm. have to have, which are trump that, so to speak. And one of them is believing in Mashiach's arrival, that Mashiach will come. So if in three months from now, Mashiach doesn't come, this person is losing his amun. He's, he's, he's going to uproot that foundational belief and that Mashiach is going to come. So it's not worth it. But I'll call upon him. Back to the Miraglim. I'll call upon him. The Miraglim were thinking, we know it. We know what to do. We know how to do it. That's what we have to do. Rashi further comments. Rashi further comments that what they were lacking was Tamimus. They did not have the understanding that Hashem is out looking for them. He's looking out for them. Hashem, Tamim could mean naive, and it could mean wholesome, and it could mean pure, it could mean unblemished. And they're really one and all the same. When a person is naive, what does that mean, he's naive? A person is gullible. It's not, I mean, sometimes you can have someone who's gullible and, it turns out that it's a terrible thing for them. But you know what? When a person is naive, what that really means is that they have a lot of they have a lot of faith in people. They trust people. 
maybe they're making a mistake. Maybe they shouldn't be so trusting. But in with regard to being naive with what with what Hashem tells us and with what Hashem promises us, of course we're supposed to be naive. That's why it says, Tomim im Hashem You shall be wholesome, you shall be pure, innocent, naive when it comes to working with Hashem. That was what they were lacking. That's what the shame Mishmuel says. <coughs> Yeshua and Kalev said, Ach Bashem al Timroidu. Do not rebel against Hashem. Wherein what they said was a rebelling against Hashem? They were looking out for the Jewish people. They were concerned for the welfare. It was very, it pulled at the heartstrings of people that the Jewish people are going to be killed out when they're going to fight against the nations of the country of, of Canaan. No. This is a rebelling against Hashem because Hashem said, Svetzayim good, it's going to be good and well questioning that itself and saying, how is it going to be good? What are we going to do? That itself is something which is considered a lack of faith and rebelling against Hashem. We're in good hands, not in all states. You know, they say <laughs> the, the, the all state, you're in good hands. No, no, no. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hands. Hashem's hands that make no wrong. You know, it says in the Chavis Havavis writes, it's actually from my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. And we're going to have to ask again, you know, you know that this is really up your thing. If you, you have to know where this, where this Haftarah is from, Alan. It says in the Pasuk, Kishtayim ra'ois asa'a, Alan's a Gabbai. Kishtayim ra'ois asa'ami. My nation did two terrible things. Two bad things, two bad choices. What do they do? Oisi azvu. They abandoned me, Hashem. Mikar Mayim Chayim, a source for spring water, live water. Lachtsoiv Lahem Bayrois, to dig in their place, pits, water pits. Bayrois Nishbarim, pits that are broken. That's what the Pasuk is, and okay, it's from Haftarah and Parshas Masay. That's my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Parshas Matis Masay. Coming up, you'll see it then. And the Chaydas Havadis explains, what does that mean? Mm. Hashem is the source of life. Hashem gives us all that we have. And Hashem is the, uh, not all, he, he could do anything. So if we depend on him and we understand that our lives and every detail of our lives are, are dependent and we rely therefore upon him. So great, we did a good job. We did a good investment. But says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you go choose somebody else, you're doing yourself a double problem. What's the double problem? Number one, I see Azvu. You abandoned me to do what? To dig a well. What kind of well? Not a well that gives forth the water, the Mayim Chayim, the spring water, but rather a well that collects water. That well depends on me. That wall is dependent on something else. So not only are you choosing something that's, you know, you're abandoning me, you're choosing something that doesn't have its inherent abilities and the well is broken. That pit that you dug is broken. So Yeshua and Kali were saying, don't rebel against Hashem. Hashem is the source of Mayim Chaim. That's where it's from. You know, there was a, uh, sometimes we have the merit of having people come 
from overseas, particularly Eretz Yisrael, most of the time, they come to collect money. And why do I say that it's our merit? Because at the end of the day, the fact that we're given the opportunity, someone's knocking at the door, we're buying Olam Haba. We're buying eternity for a measly 10, 15, 20 dollars. Unbelievable. Sometimes, however, you know, sometimes the people that come um, have sometimes, unfortunately, um, let's just say difficult personalities. They could be aggressive. It could be. You know, Reb Chaim Sanzer said, Reb Chaim Sanzer was, the, he was the, one of the early Hasidic Rebbes. He said, some people don't give a thousand aniyim, a thousand poor people, tzedakah or charity, because there's only one, because one of them, because one of them may be a fraud. And if Chaim Sanzer said, I give a thousand paupers tzedakah, the charity, because maybe one of them is 100% pure. Meaning I'll take my chances with 999 of them just because one of the other last one might be true tzedakah. Just a different outlook of what it is. As precious as it is, you know, if I could gain what I could gain, that's what Chaim Sanzer said. So there was a yid one, there was a group of mishulachim, a group of these people going around who they travel together sometimes in groups. And there was one particular person who was a very challenging person, shall we say, his personality. And he, he demanded that whenever they go to a place, whether it's a shul or people's houses, he goes first. The reason is obvious because he thinks that the people who come after him are going to get less. You know, you don't start with $20 to the first person and $30 to the second person and $50 to the third. It's going to go $50, then maybe $36, and maybe $18. By the time the last guy comes in, he's getting $5, right? So this guy said, I'm going first all the time. They get to a particular shul, and they get, this guy goes first. He goes around, you know, the people during davening to get money. The second guy goes and he, lo and behold, he comes back and he shows the driver quietly that he got an $1,800 check from somebody. $1,800. Usually people are giving a dollar or two, maybe $5. Now, actually, they go around with the credit card machines. So it makes it so much easier for us. Because then I don't have cash. Okay, you don't have cash. Here's a credit card machine. No problem. In fact, as an aside, I will tell you, you're, you're, you know, you, you all should live and be well, and I'm sure you have your own mahalchim. I did just discover that Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of opportunities to give tzedakah with a credit card because this organization, that organization, and it was hard for me to keep track. The MISER account, the charity account, this, that. So now I have one credit card that's only for charity. All these charities, I have it from that. I've used this credit card. And then my charity banking, my checking account, that's for charity specifically, that pays it directly there. So I, it's, it's just seamless. It's, so, it's such a, I just started doing this and it works so well. So I just want to share it with you. But anyways, this guy gets $1,800. And the driver who knows everyone around, he's like, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's the, a few days later, he comes to that person who gave the $1,800 check. 
And he said, you know, I'm, I hope you don't mind me asking, but I saw that you gave so-and-so, you know, they were, they were friendly with each other. I saw that you gave somebody $1,800. He says, yeah, yeah, it's a long story. Baruch Hashem, I had some success in business and this is what the miser, I said, I'm going to give it immediately to this, that. He says, but he wasn't the first guy to come into shul. Why didn't you give it to the first guy? So the person thinks for a minute. Oh, you know what? I had just gone to the bathroom. When I came back, I saw that first fellow leaving. So I gave it to the second guy. Whose hands was the second guy in? He wasn't in our hands. He wasn't in all states' hands for sure not. He was in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand. And every time you hear a story like that, you say, oh, Taka, the Rebbein Shaladim is pulling those strings. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And we got a little bit like, one second, get rid of those strings. But those strings are strings of love. They're called um, cords of love. That's what it is. The, 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 um, Okay, let's let's hold the first. Let's hold that for the first part again. The problem of the spies was because they said they know better. They said they want to know exactly how. They want to know all the details. They want to be in the driver's seat. They didn't want to sit. What's it called when they sit? Um, gun? Sh- no, sh- shotgun. They didn't want to sit shotgun. They wanted to sit in the driver's seat where they're the ones that are turning the wheel. They're the ones that are pressing the pedal, and that was the problem with the Maraglim. Let's move on. Let's move on. We know that there were all these very, very special people who were sent to be the Maraglim, to be the spies. One particular one was Yehoshua. Yeshua said, I'm sorry, before Yeshua was sent out, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to add, excuse me, I'm going to add a letter to your name. And now instead of your name being Hoshea, it's going to be Yehoshua, Joshua. Otherwise it would have been Shua, I guess, right? No, it's going to be Yehoshua, Joshua. Oh, Now, why was Yehoshua concerned? I'm sorry, why was Moshe concerned? He was concerned because Yehoshua was a grandson of Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef, Joseph the tribe, was a great tzaddik and a righteous person, but he had succumbed, unfortunately, to speak Lashon Hara, to speak evil talk about his father, about his uh, brothers, rather. And therefore, because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu was concerned. Maybe Yeshua has this disposition to speak in a negative fashion, and therefore he might get convinced to follow the path of the spies and speak negatively about Eretz Yisrael. One second. What about what about the other grandson of Yosef? Remember, Yosef had two sons who became tribes: Menashe and Ephraim. Yehoshua was representing the tribe of Ephraim, but there was also Gadi ben Susi, who was representing the tribe of Menashe. That's also a grandchild of Yosef. Why didn't Moshe daven for him as well? Why didn't Moshe daven for him as well? He also has that predisposition 
to speak in a negative way, perhaps? And the answer is because Yahushua was standing on a higher floor. Yahushua, if Yahushua had succumbed and Yahushua had accepted the negative reports or to, to participate in the negative reports that the spies would eventually um, display or pre present, then it would have been worse. Why would it have been worse? Because if you have someone that's a lowly person, so if they end up falling, okay, it's not good. But if a person is a high person, a person is on a high level, he's a student of Moshe Rabbeinu, someone like Yeshua that eventually will become the leader of the Jewish people, he was the prime disciple of Moshe. If he falls, then it's like falling off of a hundred story building. That which happens and the ripple effect and the desecration of God's name, which can come as a result, is all that much more important. And you, all of us, every single one of us, is a Yid that has that same advantage, the same responsibility, rather, that what we do makes has ramifications, how we act, how we speak, what we say and what we don't say. That's the ramifications, we're in a, we, we, at the end of the day, we call ourselves the Amman Nifchar. Hashem chose us. Hashem didn't choose us to just give us candy. Hashem chose us to represent Him. Yahushua was a representative of Moshe Rabbeinu more so than any of the other spies. And we are representatives of Hashem more so than any other nation of the world. And just like Yahushua, needed to have a special protection to ensure that he wouldn't sully the water, so to speak, and ruin the reputation of his teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu. We who are the ones that are more representative of what Hashem's name is and the Torah have that same high level of responsibility to ensure that what we're causing is a Kiddush Hashem, a sanctification of Hashem's name. Now, furthermore, Yehoshua, <clears throat> Rashi says, Moshe was concerned. Yehoshua was a very humble person. And Moshe was concerned that because of Yehoshua's humility, he may end up saying, you know what? I think you're right. You must have a, a good and a better understanding than I have. And Moshe was concerned that because Yehoshua was going to be humble, he would accept it more easily than Kalev, for example. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm going to daven specifically for you, Hashem should give you the siyata, the shmaya. Why? I may have shared this with you in the past, but it's worthwhile to repeat. <clears throat> the Gemara says, that because of the humility, I think it was of Reb Shivim and Avkulis, the temple, the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Because of his humility, the temple was destroyed. Because of his humility? His humility was the problem? The problem was that there was the Sinaschinam. The problem was that there was this animal that they were supposed to offer. The problem was that Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa, the whole story, 
What does it mean because of his humility? So the Vilna Gain, the great Vilna Gain says like this. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a Talmudic tour of some of the halachas in Sanhedrin, which discusses the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, which was located in the Lishkas Hagazis, the special chamber within the Beis Hamikdash. That's where they're lo- That's where there was. That's where they sat. And this is this is the halacha. The halacha is like this: when there's a question which comes in front of the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin in the Beis Hamikdash, then depending on what kind of question or what was going on, that would determine who would speak up first. If they were talking about a basic halacha in general, then they would ask the greatest person in the Sanhedrin, the Rosh Bezden, the person who was the head rabbi, he would give his opinion first. And after that, everyone would offer their opinions and they would have a discussion. However, when it would come to Dine Nefashis, to laws regarding people's lives, or in general, very, very serious and weighty questions, then they would act differently. Instead of having the greatest rabbi offer his opinion first, they would ask the lowest, whatever that is, whatever it is, the lowest wasn't so bad, but the lowest level, they would ask him first, and only afterwards, at the end, ask the great rabbi, the head chief justice, so to speak, of the Sanhedrin. Why would they do that? Because there's a concern that perhaps once the great rabbi offers his opinion, no one's going to want to disagree with him. And they're just going to say, I accept whatever the chief justice said. I accept whatever the Raj Bezdin said. So when it comes to regular questions, even though they're discussing it, but they'll say, you know what, we'll give honor and prestige to the Raj Bezdin and he should offer his opinion first. And people don't mind disagreeing because this is, these are serious questions, but they're not as severe as a, life, a person's life, etc. But yeah. I deserve Rabbi, they're calling. Enjoy. Thank you. Be but well. when it comes to, when it comes to a specific life question or a very, very, very severe and weighty question, then they would ask first, the, they would ask first the younger, the smaller people, and then they would ask the Rosh Bezdin because we don't want to take a chance that maybe the other people are not going to disagree. Now, at the end of the day, the way it works is if you have 36, 37 to 34, then that I say that he's chayev, that he's liable, you'll go with that, etc. Now, a little bit of a historical uh, what happened? What was the question that came before the Sanhedrin, right before the Beis was destroyed? The question was like this. The Kesar, the leader of the, of the government, sent a sacrifice to the Beis and the sacrifice he sent had a blemish. Um, the sacrifice had a blemish. Now, The question was presented like this. If we accept the sacrifice that the king sent, 
and we offer it on the Mizbeach, on the altar, then people are going to say, you're allowed to offer animals that have a blemish on the Mizbeach. On the other hand, if we don't accept it, then people are going to say, if we don't accept it and we kill Kamtsa, or Bar Kamtsa rather, then people are going to say that if you bring a sacrifice that has a blemish, you get killed. Those were the two options. Either they offer the sacrifice, but the concern is that people are going to say that you're allowed to offer a sacrifice that has a blemish. But if they don't offer the sacrifice and instead kill Bar Kamtsa, so it doesn't raise the ire of the king and, and cause the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, then people are going to say that if you bring, this is what happens, if you bring an animal with a blemish on it, then you're going to get killed. The reason why they would have to kill him was just to be able to avoid um, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, which is what happened. Reb Shimon ben Avkulis was the Rosh Av Bezdin. What's wrong there? I'm good, no problem. Okay. Just trying Again, to the reason why it. they were going to kill him was not because he specifically did something that deserved it, but it was it was because of, it was a psak that they were going to offer perhaps based on the concern of what could happen. We're not getting into why they passed, why he would have passed him like that, but that's what he would have said. So Abshivim and Avkulis was the Rosh Av Bezdin. He was the head of the Sanhedrin. And he said, my opinion is, that we should not offer the sacrifice. We will risk raising the ire and the, the, the uh, a- causing anger to the king, but we can't bring it on the Mizbeach. Now it happened to be that most of the people in the Sanhedrin disagreed with Reb Shimon ben Avkulis. But since Reb Shimon ben Avkulis spoke up first, and he was the Rosh Bezdin, so they said, you know, I wouldn't want to disagree with him. So we'll just follow and go with him. So why did he speak up first? Why didn't he say, everyone else say their thing and I'll say my opinion. And when they would have tallied the votes, they would have realized that they, Reb Shimon ben Avkulis was in the minority. The Teretz is because Reb Shimon ben Avkulis was a big honor. He was humble. He was too humble. He was too humble that what? That he said, what, you you could disagree with me? No problem. I hold my way, you hold your way. So I could say my opinion first because of course you could disagree with me because of the hate. You're chashuv, you could say whatever you'd like. And it was that humility which caused, therefore, that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Because had he not been that humble, then they would have tallied the votes and they would have offered the sacrifice on the on the Mizbeach. But it was because of that humility that caused that they didn't offer the sacrifice. And the effect that would happen, all the domino effect, what happened was that the king got angry and he ended up destroying the Mesa English. Says the Vilna Goin, that was the problem. The problem was that his humility was being translated into the wrong thing. His humility actually translated to the fact that what? And he said, I'm not better than you. You're great. His humility made it that he didn't appreciate his value. 
Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem should save you from the, uh, the, uh, the ideas of the spies because you're too humble. Your humility might make you too humble, rather. Your humility might lead you to the decision that, you know what? You don't value, you're not as chashev as they are. They know better than you. That was a problem. Because Yeshua should value his opinion. Yeshua should say, yeah, I may be in the minority over here, but I'm still right. You know, um, they asked Yeshua, Rav Yenison Ibishitz once, when he was a kid. Someone asked him, I think it was a priest or somebody or, or one of the governors over there in Europe said, I don't understand. It says in your Torah, Achrei Rabin Lahatos. You should go after the majority. The majority of the Jewish of the world population of, accepts Christianity. That's what he was saying then. I don't know if it's true. In exact, the majority the majority of this country accepts Christianity or Catholicism. So why do you believe in the Torah? Why don't you Why don't you accept what the Christians say? Good question, isn't it? So this Yonis Rabbi Yonis and Ibishes, when he was a little kid, he said, the Torah says you go after the majority when there's doubt, when there's a question at hand. When there's a question at hand, so you utilize the idea called roiv, you go after the majority. But if there's no question, if it's clear cut, if it's as clear as day that this is true and this is false, there's nothing to talk about. Majority has no value. It's a bunch of zeros. It's call Yeshiachomeatzmeraglin, know your value. Know what you stand for, know who you are, know who we are. We're the minority. We're the minority in society. We're the minority in outlook, in, in the values. But that doesn't mean that we're wrong. It doesn't mean that we have to be apologetic. If we're right, we're right. There's no, there's no, it's not like, well, maybe we could try. No. Because you're right. If you're right, the fact that there's a lot of strong people going against you, vocal people going against you, doesn't mean that you should change your position. That's why Yeshua had to have the special tefillah from Hashem, from Moshe Rabbeinu, because of that <coughs> humility. We're all, we all have that, you know, um, Klal Yisrael were blessed to be by Shonim, to be bashful people. We never want to take a strong stance on anything. Unless it's, uh, yeah. But we should be proud of who we are. We should be proud of what we think and what we hold. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to one more thing. Or two more things. We'll see. Okay, prioritizing is a very hard thing. You want to say this and you want to say that, but you can only say that or this. So which one do you do? Any, mini, mini, mo, that or this? Anyways, here's, here's what we'll say. Let's say this. Well, okay. The spies come back, they give their negative report, and then Hashem says, 
Yoim Lashono, Yoim Lashono. A day for a year, for each day that they were, the 40 days that they were traveling and going through the country, spying and checking it out. For each one of those days, they're going to have a year in the desert. They're going to have a year in the desert. A day for a year. Is that the right way to say it? A day for a year? Proper grammar, who's the teacher over here? Proper grammar is a year for a day. For the day that you spent running around the country and checking it out, you're going to have a year in the desert. So it's shana layoim, a year corresponding to each day. <clears throat> I believe the Chazal tell us, no, it's yoim lashana because Hashem knew that they were going to come back with a negative report. From a natural stand of point of view, it should have taken a lot longer than 40 days to go through the whole Eretz Yisrael and to check everything out. But Hashem knew that if they're going to come back after two months, three months, four months, whatever it is, they're there for 120 days. That means that they're going to have to be in the desert for 120 years. Yoim Lashana, a day for a year, Hashem said. The maximum is going to be 40 years, no more than 40 years. And therefore, I'm going to make a miracle. And I'm going to allow you to be able to go through Eretz Yisrael for 40 days and cover the whole thing. Just to be able <coughs> to get to, to be able to get to make it that it's 40 years as opposed to 40, as opposed to 120 year, days or whatever it may be. A day, the Gemara tells us that a day could be like a year. Trying to find that Gemara that I had. You know, the 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 Radish uh, Rebbe, the Rebbe of Radish, it said, he came to Shul one morning and he told his Hasidim, Rabbi Sai, there's a special guest coming today. Just for today. He was never here before. He's never going to come back again. Today is the only day. Now is the only time. You know what the name of this guest is? The name of this guest is today. That's the name of the guest. Today was never here before, and it's never coming back. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, No, I'm sorry. Where's the Gemara? The Chagiga. The Gemara says in Chagiga that if a person does an Avera for one day a year, in a certain sense, it's as if he did Averas and he was sitting the entire year. So if that's the case, Says the Chassam Soifer, we know that the blessings are 500 times more in the ne- than the negative. If I say something is true in a negative sense, then it's 500 times more true in a positive sense. So that means that if someone sinned for one day a year, it's as if he sinned for a whole year. So if someone does mitzvahs for one day a year, what is that like? It's like he did mitzvahs for 500 years. One day a year is 500 years. The Gemara Sachim says that the distance between heaven and earth is a 500-year walk. That's how long it takes to get there. You know, I was walking home from Shabbos with my kids and a couple, there were some other people who were eating by us, and the second grader says to me, where do you think you would get if you were walk for 200 years straight? So I said to him, well, 200, how fast are you walking? A second grader, 
don't know, second, whatever great, however old second grade, he says, uh, I said, it depends how fast you're walking. And okay, we don't include Shabbos and Yom Tif. Maybe you would get to this. I was trying to make all these calculations in my head. And then I said to him, well, what do you think? So he said to me, well, I think you'd, I'd say you get to heaven because you're dead already. You passed 120. That was his second grade, second grade response. But the Gemara says that it's a 500-year walk. Says the Chsam Seifer, if a person does the mitzvahs, it's like heaven is above the earth, because if you do your day, if I do a mitzvah for one day, it's as if I did it for 500 years. You know, the, here's, here's one mashal I'm going to leave you with. Two, two mishalim I'm going to leave you with. Here's the maizim. Ben Eshchai says like this. There were two wealthy Yidin who lived in Baghdad, wherever it was, and they were having a very, very fierce dispute. Who is wealthier than the other? Reuven said, I'm wealthier than you. And Shimon said, I'm wealthier than you. <clears throat> they couldn't come to a resolution of who's the true wealthier one until finally they said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the ocean. And everyone, we're, we're each going to throw in coin after coin from our wealth. Whoever stops throwing in their, their coins first, he must be the one who's less wealthy and poorer because he's not willing to give up his wealth. But if a person keeps on throwing it in, that means that he has more than enough. So they go to the water, they go to the ocean, they start throwing it in, and Reuben's throwing it in, and Shimon's throwing it in, and they're throwing in hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars worth of coins. Finally, Reuben stops throwing in coins, and Shimon just keeps on throwing in coins, and people are going, wow, this is unbelievable. I wanna do business with this guy. If this guy has so much money, that means that he's so, so successful. I want to choose him as a business partner. When the whole, the whole scene was over, they realized Reuven was throwing in real coins, valuable coins. He said, I have to stop. I can't throw away my whole wealth. Shimon was throwing in counterfeit coins. His coins had no value. And that's why he was willing to throw it away. Our days, our time of today, the day is worth a year. Our day is not the counterfeit. If we're throwing away time, what that means is that our time, we're like Shimon, throwing away the coins. It's a coin, but it doesn't have the value. That we should see what time is. Understand, understand that time is not money. Time is life. And you will succeed in living up that life that will go up to Shemayim saying, we didn't live 120 years. We lived thousands of years because every single day has the same schus. As the Chassam Seifer said, if we do a day of mitzvahs, it's 500 years of mitzvahs 
We should all have arichas yomim vishonim, arichas yomim, for the length of the days that we can make them lengthy, 500 years worth each day. And with that, Bez Hashem, we will have a gezunte geshmake Shabbos. All the best. Have a good Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. 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 Shabbos.